This week's episode of Dad's Planning covers a few sexual topics that are pretty mild and wholesome, relatively speaking, but if you're listening with the kids around, you might choose to save this one for later. Listener discretion is advised. For the most part, that is the way that I talk. You know, I think that there is a lot of hay made about the fact that there are a lot of F-bombs, but what I'm always really hungering for is the truth. I don't want somebody to give me some BS about what pregnancy and parenting is like in somebody's fantasy. There are wonderful things about it. There are beautiful things about it. I mean, the love, who can quantify the love that just builds and builds and builds? But there is this other part of it. Welcome to Dad's Explaining chronicle of all the weirdest, messiest, grossest, and funniest parts of fatherhood hosted by two first-time dads. I'm Jesse. And I'm Brandon. And this week we are talking to Jenny Pritchett. You might know her as Jenny True, a parenting blogger and columnist for Romper.com, but she's also the author of You Look Tired, an excruciatingly honest guide to new parenthood. Jenny, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Absolutely. We're excited to have you. So uh, just to start us off, I want you to tell us a little bit about what brought you to write this book. Oh, well, okay. I'm 44 now, but five years ago, I was not 44. I was 39 and suddenly single, didn't have kids, which I always thought would just sort of happen and started panicking and started blogging about it and realizing if I ever want to have kids, I'd like need to get the party started. (laughs) Um, And I also was in a state of mind of like, I don't really have anything to lose. I don't know if this happens when 40 is looming, but that's what happened to me. And I've always been a writer. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to use that old blogging platform to write about this whole journey uh, and write about it honestly, not taking out the swear words uh, about what the real experience is. So that that's the beginnings of this. And, you know, very quickly, within a couple of months, I met my partner, we got pregnant, I moved into his house, and I had a baby all in like a year and a half. Uh So that was crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, and then the blog turned into becoming the pregnancy and parenting columnist for Romper. And then eventually that turned into a book deal. So that's that's the, sort of the short version of the origins of the book. Gotcha. And uh, this is something that I've talked to previous authors that have come on the show. And a lot of times they'll tell us that the reason that they wrote the book that they wrote is because basically they were looking for that book and that book just didn't exist out there in the world. So they just wrote mm-hmm. it themselves. Is that kind of what happened here? It's a little bit of what happened. But part part of the truth is that I had been a fiction writer and a creative nonfiction writer and teacher for many, many years. When I was in my early 20s, I had started off doing stand-up comedy and funny stuff. And then I decided I wasn't serious enough and I was going to you know, write the great American novel. Didn't work out. Circled back around to something that was really much more connected to me. And then when all of a sudden I had this large platform, I was like, holy crap, I could sell a book, but I got to like get on this before Robert like realizes that they have made a noob, their pregnancy expert. <laughs> um, so that was definitely part of it. But, but yes, there was intent from the book proposal on to not only write a parenting book or a book for pregnant people and new parents that addressed all of the things that so many of us are familiar with but don't really get included in the major major categories of like breastfeeding, sleep. By the way, babies don't sleep. Why do people make books about 
baby like they just don't like stop with that stop trying to like tell people you can get their baby to sleep because you just can't and uh i wanted to write a book that had more representation of the diverse experiences of people who give birth and are new parents in this country it's not all people who look like me like newsflash it's not only white women who are middle class who are giving birth so part of the book involved intentionally reaching out to people in my circle who were of various racial and ethnic backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds, levels of ability, various genders and sexualities to have their voices hopefully um, represent a diversity of experiences while still being funny. Awesome. And you definitely succeeded in that. Um, I was uh, talking to my wife about this and Brandon and I have actually talked about this on the podcast before. Oftentimes when you pick up a book about pregnancy or about parenting, the book tries to be funny, but it just comes off as corny. Um, Like Brandon and I talked about trying to get through what to expect when you're expecting and really suffering through some of the jokes (laughs) that they tried to shoehorn into that book. It's just hard, but your book, it almost reads more like an Amy Schumer uh, screenplay or something like that. Aww. Like the, the language is rated R, which I think parents actually want because we're tired and stressed and we want some, we want to read something that sounds the way that we talk and the way that we feel. And I, I don't know, I, I just, I really appreciated that. And uh, I guess what I'm wondering is, is that just naturally the way that you talk is that, and write? Is that your voice or was this sort of an intentional method to kind of connect to parents. I really appreciate that. First of all, thank you. You can come like sit on my couch and get me through hard days anytime. And by that, I mean, by saying nice things to me, I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, that, I mean, for the most part, that is the way that I talk. You know, I think that there is a lot of hay made about the fact that there are a lot of F-bombs. I I use the C word in the book. I actually don't use the C word. For some reason, I think that one very (laughs) well-placed word can be effective. And of course, I used it to describe people who would not smile at my kids. So I think it was earned. But I think that what I was really hungering for, what I'm always really hungering for is the truth. I don't want somebody's sound bites. I don't want somebody to give me some BS about what pregnancy and parenting is like in somebody's fantasy. There, there are wonderful things about it. There are beautiful things about it. I mean, the love, who, like, who can quantify the love that just builds and builds and builds? But there is this other part of it. So one of my goals was to write as close to the way I talk as possible. But also, I've been a writer and a reporter and a journalist for a long time. Um, And I had had the practice with this blog of writing and publishing constantly. So I would like to think that in in some ways I was getting, I was working on my craft. I was getting a little bit better at being able to write more fluidly, especially for something like this that is meant to be conversational, is meant to be accessible. And of course, I get a lot of practice from that writing a column every couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, I think the experience is rated R of parenting. So like, why <laughs> would, why shouldn't the material be like, it's just an honest assessment of what's going on. And that's something that struck 
you know, both of us, but like me in particular is like, you know, maybe the mindset here is kind of like the truth is like pulling back the veil and trying to get people to see that upfront, ideally, but I don't think you have to be a pre birth, you know, about to be parent or even a new parent, like some people don't even get that until they're, they're well into the parenting. So, you know, I just feel like from myself, Jesse, probably from yourself, from people that we've even talked to on the show, like they tried to ask friends or family members, people who've been through it. And like the best truth they might get is like, it's really hard. You'll never understand. It's just really hard. So, <laughs> you know, a book like this, maybe just kind of give me a sense like it's it's brutally honest but it's not meant to discourage right it, it, it's about kind of empowering or just giving the information oh yeah and this is thank you for that yeah so i feel like there is still this delicacy around pregnant people and lactating people and new parents as if we're infants <laughs> and that if you just tell us what the reality is that I don't know what I don't know what the what's gonna work the the kid's gonna come out we're gonna become parents anyway but this idea that if you only withhold the truth from this experience from people then it's gonna be better is so, it's so false it's so false and it is really hard but also the idea you're right it's not to be discouraging it's to be encouraging it's to be validating like hey. That's great. I mean, I'm maybe you're happy that you're pregnant. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're happy to be a new parent. Maybe you're not. But whatever the experience is, there is someone else who was experiencing that. And guess what? Here is somebody who is articulating what that is. So you can feel like you're not going crazy. One of the things that I write about in the book is that I had a breastfeeding condition that for some reason is not very well known. It's called dysphoric milk ejection reflex or DEMER. And what happens is Every time, uh, right before my milk would let down, I was breastfeeding. Um, and of course, right after you have a baby, that's like every two hours. So 12 times a day, I would get this overwhelming sensation of sadness. Or if I had just eaten, I would feel nauseous. If I hadn't, I would, I would lose my appetite and I couldn't speak. Like I would just kind of like shut down and then my milk would come in. And about 30 seconds to two minutes later, it would go away. And it took me a few months to realize to put it together that something was happening and it was connected to breastfeeding. So I searched the freaking internet and found out that it's a thing. And I was like, I have Western medicine. Like I had a doula, I had mid a midwife, I had an OBGYN, nobody mentioned this to me. I had a lactation consultant, but nobody gave me that information. So I thought I was going crazy. And I could have made the choice to stop breastfeeding because of that. I could have thought that I was experiencing postpartum depression, but now I'm part of a Facebook group with other people who are experiencing the same thing. And I just think, why didn't somebody tell me about this? This is a thing. <laughs> why wasn't this in my parenting book? It would have helped. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, oh, no, keep going, I'm sorry. Well, the uh, my last thought was I would have thought I would I would have gone straight to you know oh this is a thing that's experienced that that I'm experiencing and it's medical it's it's you know I can't think of the word but instead of like me always thinking like my life is a bag of dog poop because that's mm. where my brain went without the information I would have liked the information yeah and like you said uh, before it's the the stuff that you discuss in this book it's not all the negative it's not all the hey no one's going to warn you about this but here's a heads up like there's positives to being pregnant that people just try and kind of dance around don't really get specific about tell us about some of these things that you're gonna that you touch on in the book 
Oh, the things that are great about being pregnant. Mm -hmm. I know. I know what you're asking about. <laughs> Sex is amazing. Did you all have the party master with your partners? I, uh, I I'm not going to get into it without her permission, but I I understand Good. where you're coming from. Thank you. Okay, I shouldn't even have asked. Consent. Let's just say <laughs> that there's a certain um, freedom um, in the pregnancy phase, shall we say, that is prior to the being pregnant phase is. Um, a more topic of thought and concern, but when you're already <laughs> pregnant, it's a little more open, shall we say? Um, literally, yeah. Is my point getting across? <laughs> I I get your point. I know what you're talking about. I wrote it. <laughs> no, I love this question. So this is something else that like there was one mom who tipped me off because she wrote an article about this for Salon. So I I like I kind of had a feeling that something might happen. But um, it's not for people in their first trimester who are just like super barfy and like adjusting to something growing in their bodies. And it's not for people in the third trimester who are distended and having a hard time getting around uncomfortable all the time. But this like sweet spot right in the middle, the second trimester, a lot of people find that they're horny as all get out. And also all that blood, that's the thing. All the blood goes down to your nether regions. But it like it changes the game, and I remember being in the uh, our shower, and we have like a detachable uh, shower thing, and I was like rinsing, and every time I would get to like my genital area, I was like, ah, that's that's really sensitive. But like nobody told me that that was a thing, and I didn't bring it up to my OBGYN because I don't I don't know if I was shy, but like. It's like nobody told me about it. And then if you are having sex during that time, if you're lucky enough to be having sex during that time, it just like the sensation is so much more intense. And any sex that you have afterwards, it's just not going to be as good. <laughs> that, that's horrible. No, totally um, valid. I think we did our best job with that material, uh, <laughs> shall, we, shall we say. I mean, I really think... To me, this kind of fits into the, like one of my kind of big takeaways as, as like being a parent is like, you know, you talk about like giving people the information, like hoping that you can reach somebody who didn't have this info that maybe wanted the info. But, you know, even something that's common or something that's less common, like you may not have found a resource for it in advance. And really the takeaway is like, talk about it, ask somebody, say it to somebody. Hopefully you feel comfortable enough with like a, a medical professional, maybe, or somebody like that, that you could at least just reference like, hey, I'm experiencing this and then that person i think more often than not like it just by putting it in the universe like you find the people yeah. you you find someone who can tell you who can give you information and in your case like with a facebook group example you find your your tribe and somebody who can like be a part of it with you because there are people going through whatever specific niche mm -hmm. nuanced something is that you're going through yeah, I think that is so important. And there, you know, there are so many ways the internet is problematic. And there are so many ways that it can be incredibly helpful. So for pregnant people and new parents who want questions, you can either fall into the rabbit hole of, on, uh, hole of online forums, or you can find support groups with people who are like-minded or who are experiencing the same things. Yeah. And as far as reaching out to medical professions, it would be amazing if every 
uh, part of our society had a positive experience with the medical professions, but, but it's just not true. You know, if you are black or brown or lower income in this country, you are either, you either don't have the access to those, uh, to continuous, you know, good quality healthcare, or your experience is that you are ignored or, you know, you're, you're not seeing people in those fields who rep, who are representative of you and of your experience. But, if you are able to find your community and reach out, you know, and that's part of the thing. Like there's not often enough that is being reached out to us. That was a horrible sentence, but I hope you get what I mean. <laughs> I think we do. Yeah, it's it's not being pushed out to you. You have to pull it in. I, sorry, I'd, I'd like push and pull makes sense to me for some reason, but it's mm -hmm. like you you have to be the instigator, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Like it's out there, but there can't be enough because there's there's a lot of different things that could be going on for for any given person, and, and it could be totally unique to every single individual. But like there's mm -hmm. there's no way to push it all out to you. You kind of have to do mm -hmm. some of the pull. Yeah, exactly. And I do I do wish that that I do wish that that would change. You know, I I don't know if you guys talk any politics on your show, but I have a lot of hope with this new administration. I mean, just hope that I haven't had for a long time with representation at the very top as far as um, you know, for the first time in history, um somebody in the cabinet talking about black maternal health as a crisis, you know, convening um, a group to talk during black maternal health week, which just passed in April, you know, more of that at the top being offered out in the forms of programs, in the forms of, of you know, ch universal childcare and paid family leave for everybody who's having a family. You know, I have a friend in Norway, like anybody who has a friend in Norway as, as a kid is just like, it's like you get a year off at full pay. Really? <laughs> I mean, it seems like such a fantasy, but if there were more of that at the top, then there wouldn't be these patchwork efforts of, you know, people to reach out individually. But my book is part of that. Mm -hmm. Just try to reach people and to make them laugh. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we like to talk about it in the way that you kind of approached it, where we want to highlight topics where, you know, we're underperforming or we're under discussing. That's a terrible phrase. Um, <laughs> we're not discussing enough and and highlight, you know, challenges with leave. But, you know, as an example, but then like how other people are doing it better. All mm -hmm. of Europe, a lot of mm -hmm. other developed countries in general. <laughs> but everybody else. <laughs> Everyone that's not us, um, yeah. but greatest country. Anyway, yeah. um, we something where this kind of really dovetails um, as well is kind of on the topic of mental health. Mm -hmm. um, and I think like a lot of things, whether you want to classify it as mental health or not, like it has to do with the fact that I, I feel like for new parents, of course, parents throughout their entire you know journey, but especially coming into it uh, fresh for the first time. And, and even if it's the second or third time, the very beginning phase, if you will, maybe is the most trying. It's just not talked about. Um, it's not really reported on. You know, we try to do a job of it ourselves, but we don't talk about it as well or as frequently as we could either. So, you know, I'm kind of curious, like, did you did you find your journey and your process and kind of coming to a point of writing this book as like therapeutic and helping you mm. go through your own process? Like, can you talk to us a little bit about that? I think it continues to be therapeutic. It's such a funny word to use, but the practice of keeping notes on, you know, all the 
stuff that my kid is saying and doing, interactions that my partner and I have, you know, recognizing them in the moment for what they are and writing about them honestly continues to be, yeah, continues to be calming in a way because it is keeping a record of the reality of the experience. And of course, because of the platform, I'm able to connect with people. So um, that having that conversation has become really important. I mean, I'm, I'm still a new parent, you know, my kid is three and a half years old and there is still so much that I am learning. And the piece about mental health is so critical. I write in my book, my, like my pet peeve is this concept of self care. Oh my God. Like we are bombarded with listicles and articles about what we can do to take care of ourselves. And my question is, what are you going to do to help me? <laughs> like I can barely walk. I have stitches in my vagina. I've been sent home with this seven pound infant 40 hours after he was on the inside of my body and like my partner's being expected to drive in a car and it's like, it's totally nuts. And postpartum depression is very um, much talked about as it should be. And there is postpartum anxiety, which is much more common um, and equally as detrimental. And there, I, I wish that there were more of a network to help people, especially um, right after a kid is born, instead of waiting until somebody's maybe like at the, at a crisis point and, and in danger, just sort of like reaching. I mean, we get, we have all these appointments with a doctor while you're pregnant. And then after you have the baby, you get like one or two. And then it's like, nice knowing you, <laughs> you got yeah. it from here. <laughs> and it's kind of amazing. It's like, all right, I guess now that the baby's out, you don't care about me, the person who made the baby. So sorry, I'm, I'm like going on, but like, but no, no. I'm, I'm like such a process, like oriented person. We're like, just hearing you speak that out. I'm like, wow, that seems like that'd be so easy. Why don't we just all like agree that like any hospital or like place that, you know, does births, like they just group up everyone who has one within a week. And those people are put into a pod together where they should like meet on a weekly basis thereafter if they would choose to. And if they don't, they can opt out, but it's like, here you go. Here's your free resource. Like mm -hmm. seems easy, right? You know, but it's not, yeah. but it doesn't happen, but it just, it sounds so logical. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just not, it's not a focus for our country. Our, our focus is productivity. Our focus is professional achievement. And we have this weird idea that we can skip the nurturing part, <laughs> the, the skip the part where we're caring about each other's emotional state. And I, you know, I don't know exactly what has to happen for that to change. But I do believe that there has to be leadership at the top. There has to be resources put into unified services, you know. And I think once we start getting there, you know, we can, you know, shave a little bit off about our isolationist, individualistic Western culture and feel that we are more of a community. You know, I love my kid more than I can explain. But I also recognize that my kid is not the most important kid. He's not more important than your kid or your kid or kids. You know, this idea that we all need to care for each other 
Oh God, I'm getting all California on you. <laughs> no, 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 that's, I mean, you're, you're dead on. And that's, I mean, that's, that's kind of part of the focus of our podcast is, uh, is encouraging mostly dads because most of our listeners are dads to reach out and to, you know, to communicate more, to think more about what they can do, you know, to support the people around them uh, and certainly their partner. So I, yeah, I think you are, you're right in step with us. And that was actually mm-hmm. going to lead me to, uh, my question, which is, mm-hmm. uh, as I said, most of our, our listeners, they're either dads, new dads, or they're dads to be that just found out uh, that they're going to have a baby. So they're scrambling, looking for some resources. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is, not, this is not just a question for dads, but in any relationship, the person who's not having the baby, I know that the focus of your book is on the the pregnant woman and, the, and then, the, you know, all of the stuff that comes after that. But for that uh, supporting partner, what is if you had to kind of give some advice to that person, what would you say to them, the thing that they need to do to Mm. make sure that that pregnant person is feeling supported? That is such a great question. There are a whole lot of, there are a whole lot of kinds of partnerships, you know, in, in my book, I, I'm in a, I identify as queer, but I'm in a heteronormative partnership. And some of the people that I talk to in the book are in queer partnerships, single parents. There's, there's a whole lot of different kinds. So what I would say to new and expectant dads, first of all, congratulations. It's awesome. There's nothing to be afraid of. And take a step back and look at your partnership and make it 50-50. So as much as, as far as we have come in this country and around the world, as far as um, gender roles, we haven't come all the way. And one of the shockers to me, you know, I come out of a feminist household. I worked at Ms. Magazine when it was still in Midtown New York in the late 90s. You know, that's my, I'm steep in all that. One of the hardest things for me was going from being single, living in an apartment by myself, and moving into a house where all of a sudden there were four people. I have a partner, I have an 11 year old stepdaughter, and then there's me, of course, and then my kid. And I'm cleaning up after a lot of, mm 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 that's the MF word. <laughs> and I wasn't expecting that part. So I think that we all want to focus on the fun stuff. You know, we want to focus on the ways our kid is developing and we want the one-on-one time and we want the play and we want the growth but there is a lot of other stuff that goes into running a functional household so that everyone can thrive so uh you probably not surprised that i'm going to bring this up i would look at housework (laughs) i would you know i don't know what system works differently for what families, but also, um, you know, looking at childcare as something that is everyone's responsibility. You know, I, I, I get the feeling that this probably is not the situation with the two of you, this idea of, of helping, you know, that if you're, or babysitting, you know, that's aren't helping. They're not babysitting their parenting, you know, thinking like really coming into your own as fully formed, parents who are capable of so much more. I think men have been fed these 
messages. I mean, I could go down the hole of like toxic masculinity, <laughs> but that's some, but somehow it's not masculine to parent. It's not masculine to be affectionate. It's not masculine to wear a baby, you know, let go of all that. And, you know, understand that, you know, it's not as instinctual for, it's not often any more instinctual for women as it, if we're talking about, you know, heterosexual cisgender people for women than it is for men. And that I think coming into that partnership together equally is going to be so much more joyful and fulfilling and fun. I mean, it's hard as crap, but it can be all these other things. If from the beginning, you're able to look at your partnership and think, what is it that, you know, you're not, you're not just, you're not just supporting your partner, you know, you're raising your kid. I love that. I'm really glad that you went there uh, because we're on board, you know, uh, it, consciously speaking. It's one thing to agree and believe with that idea of breaking out of what's expected of you, mm -hmm. uh, you know, socially. It's another thing to put it into practice and to break out of those old habits. And I think that's yeah. something that uh, the folks listening, we need to hear that every once in a while, even if we're already there uh, to take a step back, like you said, and look at, okay, what are we doing in the house? Uh, where are, where's the division of labor falling? You know, what are some things that my partner is stressed about on a day-to-day -day basis that they're having to handle own that uh, maybe I've just assumed that, okay, you're the one that's always done that. Okay. I can just let you do that. Put it on autopilot and not ask the question, like, do you need some help? You know, <laughs> should I be doing more than I'm doing? So yeah, I think that that's uh, all of that's really mm -hmm. necessary to, yeah. to be frequently thinking about and checking in on. One thing that I have thought the example in my head is that if you're a man, cisgender man and you identify as a feminist but your partner is doing more than 50 percent of the housework then you're not really a feminist <laughs> and you know if you're an adult and somebody else is doing your laundry ask yourself ask yourself why that's happening <laughs> are you even an adult <laughs> <laughs> well i don't want to infantilize anyone oh, okay okay but, yeah but yeah there i mean the, the thing is like in my like obviously i write an entire section about the uneven distribution of household duties in my own home but you know my my partner is amazing he does and he does he's a great father he does the majority right now of the childcare but we are all raised in the soup. You know, he was raised by communists, <laughs> communist hippies. I mean, he like he, you know, marched when he was a, a baby. You know, he, he was raised in the kind of environment that you think would not give you traditional gender roles. But we live within those structures. And sometimes it's the same with race privilege. You know, it's it, you have to work constantly to recognize the ways in which those things come up in your own life and in your own conscious. Did I say consciousness already? Sure. I, th yeah. I think we all did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but it's there. Yeah. Awesome. That's a, okay. that's a great question. Great. Thank you. Okay. So Jenny, tell us and tell the folks listening, where can we find this book and where can we keep up with you and what you're doing and what you're saying? Absolutely. Um, so you can find everything about me at jennytrue.com. That's where I keep my blog. You can find more information out the, about the book and you can contact me. You can, there's a, you know, a sign in form through the blog, uh, all my social media stuff, uh, Facebook and Instagram is through there. funny videos on, on Vimeo. You can read my column at Romper. Uh, it's called Dear Jenny. 
And then, yeah, as far as the book, it is available anywhere books are sold. So I really encourage everyone to support their local indie. I have a special plug for an indie called A Great Good Place for Books in Montclair, Oakland. They are an independent bookstore that hosted my launch event last night, and they're amazing. Uh, if you don't have access to a local bookstore, bookshop.org is a great place to buy books. And you also can order online from lots of independent bookstores. And barring that, Target, Walmart, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Fantastic. Well, once again, folks, we have been speaking with Jenny Pritchett, a.k.a. Jenny True. The name of her book is You Look Tired, an Excruciatingly Honest Guide to New Parenthood. And like she just said, you can find it anywhere books are sold, but she would prefer, and we would prefer that you support your local bookstore. Jenny, thanks again for coming on. We had a great conversation and we would love to hear from you again in the future. Absolutely. This has been a, such a treat. Thank you guys so much for having me on. You're wonderful. Absolutely. Thank you so much. That'll do it for this week's episode of Dad Splaining. Thanks again to Jenny Pritchett for joining us on the show. Once again, the name of her book is You Look Tired, An Excruciatingly Honest Guide to New Parenthood. I'm going to include links in the show notes to where you can find that book and to where you can follow along with Jenny online. We will be back next week. In the meantime, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Dad's Planning Podcast. We also have a parenting group on Facebook, Dad's Planning, a parenting group. We would love to see you there. And you can get this episode anywhere you get your podcasts. If you enjoy the show, we humbly ask that you would leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It's a quick and easy way to help us expand our reach and connect with new parents all around the world. So until next time, what do beavers like to put on their salads? Branch dressing. This week's cringeworthy dad joke comes courtesy of reddit.com slash r slash dad jokes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. The advice and opinions expressed on dadsplaining are solely those of its hosts and guests and should not be substituted for the advice of professionals. If you have a serious concern about the health or development of your child, please consult with your pediatrician. If you're experiencing an emergency, please call 911. Don't listen to us. We're really just good for dad jokes. If you're enjoying Dad's Planning, you might enjoy this other podcast from our friends here at WSB Radio. Hello, friends. This is Jared Yamamoto from The Power Pod, and we are a weekly recap show where we cover the current events of the week. And of course, during these times, COVID-19 is on everybody's mind. We will cover the good the bad, and the ugly regarding this crisis. We will be serious with the coronavirus, but we will also find ways to have fun with it as well. So be sure to check us out Saturdays from 11 to noon and Sunday mornings from 9 to 11 on 98.7 FM and AM 1340 WGAU or grab the PowerPod podcast on any of your favorite podcast providers or your favorite smart speaker.